Okay, before Rabbi Ravinder starts his shiur, I have a couple of announcements for those watching the uh, live stream and those listening to the podcast. After tonight, the shiur will be taking a break until Rosh Chodesh Elul, uh, Wednesday evening, August 23rd. And on Tisha B'Av, uh, please follow the events on Web Yeshiva slash 9Av, 9AV. All the Tisha B'Av events will be online this year, no live events. Here's Rabbi Ravinder. That's it? That's it. Well, here we are, Parshat, Parshat Devarim. The story of the Meraglim, sending the Meraglim, what the Meraglim came back and said, is told in two places in the Torah. One is in the Parshat Devarim, where Moshe Rabbeinu supposedly is um, uh, speaking to B'nai Yisrael in kind of a Musur mode. He tries to speak to them about what they have done wrong in the past and to warn them that in the future they should try to maintain a standard, a certain high standard. And uh, so that in Shlach, in the parish of Shlach, which is the book of Bamidbar, that's where the story of the Baraglim actually takes place. So. The, Shlach is the story of the Meraglim, and Bamidbar is Moshe Rabbeinu's rendition of what happened with the Meraglim. Now, strangely enough, the two stories are quite different, one from the other. Right? The story in Shlach and the story in Dvarim. So if we look at, uh, since it's the parish of Dvarim, we'll look at the story of Dvarim first. Remember, this is the story that Moshe Rabbeinu tells like what happened, what did Bnei Yisrael do, what happened with the Meraglim. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Perik Aleph Basukha Bet, it says, and you all came close to me, you all, meaning Bnei Yisrael. Send out people before us, nishlecha, that becomes a very important word, a very important root, nishlecha, shin lamedchet, to send, but also it's the word shaliach, as we will see, like a representative or an, or a, a, an emissary, someone who is charged with doing a mitzvah on your behalf, a shaliach. Okay, to dig it up, to dig into things, to find out what's really going on. And they'll return to us with this information. They'll tell us about the roads going into Eretz Canaan and about the cities that we will uh, come to. Pasuk of Gimel, interesting Pasuk. Vayitav ve'inai hadavah. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, I thought that this was a great idea. Vayitav ve'inai hadavah. Vayakach mikem shnei masar anashim, ishechad v'shavet. And I will, and I take, therefore I took representing each tribe was represented by one person and they became the Meraglin. 
They became the Ragdim. This is the story that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling. Now, if we look at Rashi, Rashi, okay, the first Rashi is, uh, is uh, quite famous. Uh, Rashi is trying to pinpoint who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. It's a little difficult in the story. So he says, Bir Buvia. They came, all the people came, all mixed together. They didn't come in an orderly fashion. Ulalanu Omer, that further on in Tikrivu, Eli, Kol Later on, there's a pasuk that says Vatikrivun. They came close to me, and then that is furtherly, further uh, uh, described. Rashes Shivtechem, first the leaders of the tribe, Zikdechem, the elders. So they they didn't come all together. They they came in groups and and distinguished themselves. So vatomru heiner anav otakreva haita hogenet. Is if you come in an orderly way, Rashi says, that's uh, that's proper. That's the proper way to do it. Yeladim mechabdim etaskenim ushlachum lifteihem. The children were giving honor to the elders and sent them uh, ahead. So there was, there was distinct, there were the, the Rashi Ashvatim, then the elders, then the children. They came, but in our case, it says, they all came like a, like a jumble, a jumble of people. So it says, uh, uh, Rashi says, you all came, all mixed up. The children were pushing around the elders, and the and the elders were pushing around the uh, the leaders of the tribes. So, so what is Rashi? What is Rashi telling us? Rashi says in these words, you all came close to me. You sort of came in a hustle and a bustle, all together you already see that they were acting poorly in the words of Moshe Rabbein. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with the way they acted. And then Rashi continues, We yeshivu otanu davar be'ezer lashon heim midabrit. It's cute. Ve'eshivu otanu davar. What's a davar? The thing. But it also, the word davar doesn't just mean a thing, but it also means dibur, the way you speak. So Rashi said, so why would Moshe Rabbeinu say to them, or why would they say to themselves, it doesn't matter, what do you think it is? Who said that? He says, You plural, B'nai Yisrael say, I look at Pasuk Kavbet, Right? What is well, what does that mean? In, in, in other words, when, when they, they come and they say to Moshe Rabbeinu that they will look into the land, that they will spy out the land, doesn't that obviously mean and they're going to come back and tell us what they found? I mean, what do you mean? They're going to spy out the land for posterity? They're going to spy out the land for us, right? So then, so why do we have to say Shivu Otanu Davar? Of course, they're the Yeshiva Otanu, what they find there. 
You need to say Be'yeshiva Otelu Dabar. So Rashi says, Be'ezel Lashonei Medabrim. You, you, you have to understand, Rashi was sensitive to this idea that the phrases in the Chumash should be meaningful. Now he doesn't always figure out how they're meaningful, but whenever he can, he does. So Vayeshiva Otelu Dabar is not simply a repetition of the idea that if you're a spy, you're going to go and tell what you spy. But it says a specific request that we want to know what language they were speaking. There is no road that doesn't turn in some way, that doesn't have those bad turns. So that, that it sounds like from Rashi that the people who came to Moshe Rabbeinu to ask for the Muraglim had a legitimate question. That, that little, they wanted to know things that were, that were important. And this is something that the Ramban takes up at great length in the beginning of Shlach. And the Ramban tries to explain that what they asked for, what they wanted to know, was the kind of information that you should want to know. In, in other words, the fact that they, that they knew that God was on their side, the fact that they knew that God was going to protect them and support them in this battle in Canaan, didn't mean that they shouldn't watch their step in trippy, tricky terrain. It didn't mean that if you weren't watching, you might fall off a ledge and break your head. That, that's, that's not the case. So that going even with God behind you, going to the, to the uh, place that you're going to attack, going to the place that you're going to attack, makes sense. Right? It makes sense that they do that. They, according to Rashi. Don't see in Rashi that there's a transgression. That's what I mean to say. So, so it reminds me, it reminds me of the fact that in the story of the Miraculin, there are two points in time that have to be considered. There's B'nai Yisrael, or the, the request to send the Miraglim, and then there is listening to the Miraglim and coming to the wrong conclusion. Now the second part, listening to the Miraglim and coming to the wrong conclusion, is certainly the source of the transgression of B'nai Yisrael, which, for which they were punished with 38 years of draining around in the desert. But what about asking for the Miraglim? So it would seem that from at up to here, asking for the Miraglim was not seen as by Rashi as being something terrible, but a reasonable thing to do. Reasonable thing to do. You see the next pasuk? Moshe Rabbeinu says, So here Rashi, I don't know exactly. Rashi wants me to think something that I was not thinking yet. If Moshe Rabbeinu thought it was a good idea to send the Miraglim, why did he include it in Dvarim Perik Aleph, which is Tochacha, which is, you know, interdiction and, 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 uh, and uh, insulting B'nai Yisrael about their past transgressions. Mashal Adam, and that is famous mashal, 
that Rashi brings, that's somebody says, can you sell me your uh, car, your brand new car? He says, Amalo Hain, he says, okay. So he says, and not to know at that lady, he says, oh, you give it to me for a little drive around uh, the hill here and see how it, how it drives. Notzen Amalo Hain. Baharimu do you let me take this car for a trial run on the hills and the valleys? Amalo Hain. Kevan Shirash and Machvo Klum. Amar halokech belibo batuachu zeshelo mum. So the guy who wants to buy the car says, "Well, if he's willing to let me drive it all over on a test run, obviously he thinks the car is in good shape. So I'll buy it without testing it." Right? Everybody thinks that's how it is. That's called business. Everybody thinks they're fooling the other person. And we don't know about that. So he says, So he says, here's the money. I don't have to test it. I can see from your response that this car is really in good shape. Listen to this. He says, and that's why I, Moshe Rabbeinu, agreed to your words. This was my intention, that I would say yes, and then you would say, well, in that case, there's no point in us setting the raglim. Because obviously you, Moshe Rabbeinu, have nothing to hide. So, but it didn't work. It didn't work. So what does Rashi tell us? What can't, what, what pshat does, the, does uh, Rashi, is Rashi not willing to accept about Vayitav Beinai Hadavar? Rashi is not willing to accept the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was totally off. That Moshe Rabbeinu said, great idea, said the Muraglim. And it ended in the greatest tragedy for Am Yisrael. That does not, that belies his position of leadership. Can't be that that's what Moshe Rabbeinu, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu did. So according to Rashi, according to Rashi, it was a trick on the part of Moshe Rabbeinu in the hope that they would change their minds and not want to go. And that in turn is based on the idea that the very fact that they wanted to go to said Miraglim it implies that they had, uh, that they were sinning, that they were thinking about not going. They were wondering about how God could send them to such a God-forsaken place. Okay, that's what, that's what the Rashi, that's what Rashi says. Okay, all right. We'll read another pasuk. It says pasuk Tavdalid so they went up to the mountain and they came to the river called Eshkol and they looked into it. They looked into it. So the Ramban, the Ramban brings a list of questions uh, about this whole way that Rashi is looking at it. And some of the, some of the questions are contained in the, uh, in the story and some come from other stories. 
For example, the Ramban mentions the fact that Yoshua bin Nun, when he, when he was about to, to conquer Yericho, yes, Yericho, so Yericho was not counted, was conquered in a kind of a non-military act. They ran around the city, they blew the chauffeur, they did it for six days and the walls came a tumbling down. So there was very little reason, there was very little reason to spy out the city. And yet, Yeshua sent to Miraglim. Yeshua sent to Miraglim. After Yeshua was a student of Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, he knew what happened the last time they sent Miraglim. And it must have been in his mind, Yeshua said, this is something you should do. This is something that should happen, sending the Miraglim. So you see, uh, uh, the Ramban says, I mean, I'm not going to bring all the cases that the Rabban quotes, but you say the Rabban quotes the case of Yoshua ben Nun. And he says, how is it possible that Yoshua ben Nun, the student of Moshe Rabbeinu, who understood how terrible the consequences of sending the Miraglim were, how did he agree to send the Miraglim? And then further in the story of Yoshua ben Nun, there is a further question. The story is told in the first chapter of Yoshua of the book of Yoshua, and that is that the, the, the uh, Miraglim, the spies that Yoshua sent were totally ineffective and really didn't collect any information at all. They came to Yericho, these spies, and they were spied, they were spied, and they ran away to hide in the house of Rechav Zonah, right? You know Rechav Zonah? That's every woman. Rechav Zonah, every woman. She's like no pretentiousness to her. You know, she's, she's like a real person. A real person, not, not uh, high order, not uh, just to have a special standing. Every woman, every woman like every man. So the, uh, uh, the, she hid them. She hid the spies, but it was a deal. I mean, I mean, maybe she was a good person, I don't know. But she got a deal, and the deal was that when they come and they conquer the land, they will spare her and her family. Right? So she made a deal. She understood. Then the spies run away. The police, the local police run after them and they escape back to the camp of Yoshua. Got it? Got the story so far. So I'll just tell you the end of the story. The end of the story is that they go to be debriefed by Yoshua ben Nun. He says, what are they going to debrief about the address of Rechav Zodah? I mean, you can't say that they were successful spies. Why not? Well, what if they didn't get to spy anything out? They would spend most of their time hiding or running away. Well, they, should, they got the information from her that they were that, fearful. So, as, so they, they, the intelligence was that they were a nation that was afraid of them. That's important information. Oh, that's interesting, the way you say it. I mean, what you say is correct, but I think the, the emphasis is a little wrong. What she said was, what she said was they were fearful because they knew that it was God's will. No, 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 this is a big difference. It, 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 and, and when they came back to Yoshua, that's what they told Yoshua. They said, well, they're afraid. How do they know they were afraid? And they were afraid of God's vengeance upon them. How do they know? Because Rahab told them, that's all. 
One person, one person told her, told the spies, and the spies reported that one thing to Yoshua bin Nun. So it seemed to me that what Yoshua what bin Nun was trying to find out was whether there was a moral basis for the victory over the Canaanites. And the moral basis came because the Canaanites would deny, not because they denied B'nai Israel their right in Eretz Israel. About that you could, you could be mistaken. But they denied God's authority in Eretz Israel. And if they denied God's authority, they, would, they were liable to punishment. And that's what Yoshua Binun sent the Muraglim to find out. And that's exactly what they found out. So that according to the story of Yoshua bin Nun, there's a legitimate reason for sending the Miraglim. I think according to your explanation, that doesn't give me a legitimate reason for sending Miraglim. Because what difference to me if they're afraid or they're not afraid? If God is going to destroy the city of Yericho, and the walls are going to tumble down, then it doesn't matter. I mean, it's not a military question. Not a question about uh, if we'll be successful or we won't be successful. The second battle that they had in, in uh, the second battle that they had in Eretz Yisrael was about the eye, and that's when Yoshua said Shemim Shbegibon Dome. So if you could stop the sun and the moon from traversing the heavens, you're certainly going to win. That was not the issue, so they didn't need spies for that. So whatever the reason was that Yoshua sent the spies. And whatever the reason was that they were acting in Eretz Canaan in a kind of a, a, a representative of God's manner, uh, they, that was a reason. And that reason could be applied to this case as well. But Rashi says, Rashi says no, that the very fact that they, first of all Rashi says, that that means that they came in a jumble of people. They weren't in an order. Order always represents, and this is the morale, the morale always points this out, order always represents the higher kind of state rather than everything being mixed together. So they came in a disorderly fashion. And then it says, that Moshe Rabbeinu sort of lied to them. He didn't really mean it. He didn't really think that they should do it, but he wanted to give them the opportunity to do tshuva. So that's the story, that's the story in Dvarim, according to Rashi. But if you look at the other story, the story in, uh, in, in Shalach, just, uh, just turn the page. So the story in Shalach, by Dabeh Hashem Moshe at the top of the page, Shalach Lecha Nashiv Yaturu Erz Kenan, Asher Ani Notein Bnei Yisrael, so Shlach Lecha Anashim. Who says Shlach Lecha Anashim? Well, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbein, Shlach Lecha Anashim. And if you were in Ulpan and somebody asked you, what is the form of the verb Shlach? They give you the options. Avar, Hover, Ati, Tzivui. So what would you say? you say That would be the correct answer. But only in Old Pan. In other places, they give a different answer. But in Old Pan, Shlach is a Tzivui. 
A tzivui is another way of saying a mitzvah. We know there are different kinds of mitzvah. We mitzvot. There are mitzvot forever, and there are mitzvot temporarily. But even tempor- temporary mitzvot are mitzvot. And you have to do them. You have to do the mitzvot. So if it says shlach lecha anashim, so a way of interpreting the pasuk is that God told Moshe Rabbeinu that there's a mitzvah to send the meraglim. So it's a mitzvah to send the meraglim. Certainly you can't fault B'nai Yisrael for sending them. So even if you fault B'nai Yisrael for asking for meraglim, somehow, that's what that even if you fault B'nai Yisrael for wanting to send the meraglim, at the end it seems that they sent the meraglim under God's auspices. God said, send them. Rashi says, What's the connection between the Miraglim and the death of Miriam? She, after all, was punished because she spoke Lashon Hara about, about her brother, her brother's Moshe Rabbeinu. And these Rishaim, who are the Rishaim in this Rashi? The ten Miraglim. What? The ten Miraglim. The, the, the one? Miraglim, the one uh, Not the Miraglim. Rishaim Halalu. Who's Halalu? These. These Rishaim, the ones who wanted to send the Miraglim. The ones who wanted to send the, the Miraglim. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. He's a Shlach Lecha Anashim. Shlach Lecha Anashim. Who, who is the one, who are the ones who spoke Lashon Hara? The ones who spoke Lashon Hara eventually were the people. They weren't the Miraglim. What did the Miraglim do? The, the Miraglim, the Rishonim all say that Miraglim told the truth. They said there were big cities and big people and strong people and, and tough, it'll be a tough, uh, uh, a tough war. It'll be hard to do. Right? They didn't say anything. They, they didn't say Lashon Hara. The ones who looked for Lashon Hara are the people who came to Moshe Rabbeinu, apparently. So now listen. Shlach Lecha. Look at the Rashi. Ledatcha. Shlach Lecha Ledatcha. Shlach Lecha means send. Send them. But Rashi says Ledatcha. What does Ledatcha mean? If you want. What? If you like. It's your idea. In, in order to the opposite of what it says. Mm-hmm. It says shalach lecha, which means a command. And Rashi's explanation is lidatcha, if you want. It's up to you. You're not being commanded. Right? So forever after, forever after, this word shalach remains unclear. And that's what Rashi does. Rashi, in one, in one kind of step, made the whole thing like, I don't know anymore. I thought that I knew that it was a command that, Moshe, that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, send them. Rashi says, that's it, send them if you want to send them. Send them if you want to send them. I mean, Rashi, you know, has broad shoulders, Rashi. He says things that uh, other people, you'd say, it's, you can't say that. If you want to, send them. And then he quotes the passage that we read in Dvarim. Let us send people 
who will go before us. Remember Vatikrivun, Beirbuvia, they all came together, Rashi said. Which means, Moshe Rabbeinu, what does Nimlach mean? He consulted. He consulted, asked for advice of Shechina, of heaven. It's like, like a, a great story, it's like a play. This could be like the first act of the play. The people come and they say to Moshe Rabbeinu, we want to send Miraglim. And we say to Moshe Rabbeinu, says, well, it's either the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I mean, what, what's their motive? And then he says, He says, maybe some good will come of it. I mean, if they're a little nervous about going to Eretz Kedad, maybe they'll decide that they can do it without sending Miraglim. So I say, so Moshe Rabbeinu says, yes. But before he says yes, he consults with God. He consults with God. Moshe Nimlach Bashchina. Amar, Ani Amati Lahem Shehitova. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Look, I told them that Eretz Kedan is a great place to be. Ani Amati Lahem Shehitova. Elay Etcham Meoni Mitzray. Chayehem Shani Noten Lahem Makom Lit Ot Bidivrei Hamaraglim. I have no idea what that, what that means. Chayehem is like an oath. Taking an oath. I'm giving them the opportunity to make a mistake. Who's speaking? Who's giving the opportunity? Moshe. Okay. Let's say Moshe. In other words, Moshe, Moshe says, Okay, I have this, it just came up, I can give them the opportunity to mess up. So I think if you learn the Rashi, if you go through the Rashi, you go through the Rashi again, you would think that there is some difficulty in understanding it at this point, at the beginning, who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Like, was it a good idea? Now the Ramban expands upon that. And he says, he says, for example, Moshe Rabbeinu told them what to look for. He told them to look at the cities. Were they big? Were they strong? Were they weak? Were the people big and strong or weak? And that's what they did. They came back and they reported to Moshe Rabbeinu exactly what he asked them to report. So it's very hard to understand who the bad guys are or if there is a bad guy. I mean, the bad guy could be Moshe Rabbeinu, who could have perhaps stopped them. I mean, what is this idea of giving them this opportunity to stop themselves or to test themselves? Uh, I mean, why do that? Why put them in that, in that kind of position? So if you look at the Ramban, the Ramban on line, uh, a little bit of the Ramban, line 35. You see where the, there's a new paragraph, line 36. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, let's send men before us and they'll look into the land. Right, that same pasuk that Rashi quoted here and that comes from Dvarim Berak Aleph. And that they should look, check out the roads. Uv'inyan hakibush Binyane kibush, mi lishon chet pei reish, 
חפר אוכל, תולוק פופוד, וזה טעם לפנינו, שילכו הם אחריהם על דרכם. That's what לפנינו means, that they'll follow them. They call them in the army, they call them scouts. You know, those, the guys who ran around in little jeeps and sort of like uh, made believe that they were scouting up the land, whatever they were doing. Who? I, I don't understand. Which word? Tvarim Aleph Kaf Bet that is to say, Chipus Badrachim, looking in the roads. No, no, no. Vehu, the reference is Chipus Badrachim. Vizetam Lefanenishu, Achrehem Al Darkam, Kilishon Varon Brit Hashem, Nosea Lifnehem. אבל השם ציווה, listen, השם ציווה, God did command, ויתורו את ארץ כלל, that they should look into, right, the Hebrew word tour, which is the English word tour, which is itself an interesting point. ויתורו את ארץ כלל, they'll find the lay of the land, somehow. והוא כתעם ברירה, כי באים לקנות דבר. It's like when you go to buy something, you go to look and see which is the best deal, right? What's the nicest looking, whatever it is you're looking for? What's the best price? You know, that's Breda, checking it out. Tarim are the ones who, and Soharim are the ones who have the stuff and they go around, you know, they put it all on a, on a donkey or something and they go from place to place and they sell. They graduate from the donkey to the wagon, from the wagon to something bigger. V'chein el ha'aras asher tarti lahem, another case of the pasuk. V'chein latur lahem menucha. V'alkein, I'm now at the end of 39, I'll 38, I guess. V'alkein, Siva 40, 39 it was. Otan Moshe Lifrot Atova He Imra'a. So Moshe Rabbeinu asked them to come back and tell them Hatova He Imra'a. Is it good? Is it bad? It's like, it's like you want to know. You're getting something. You're getting Eretz Kedan. So according to the Ramban, this is a reasonable question to ask. Where's the better part of it? Where's the part that, you know, where's the beach? Where's the, uh, where's the sun? Where's the, 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 all of that makes a lot of sense. Remember what happened to Abraham. They have this in the history. Abraham comes to this land, he, two weeks, two centuries later, he's got a free. He what? They remember their history that Abraham yeah. came to this land, and what happened two centuries later, they had to go to Egypt to find food. They just ran away from Egypt. He, yeah, but I, I don't think that's what the Ramban is saying, but you, I mean, you're right, of course, in the reference, but what the Ramban is saying is that the questions that Moshe Rabbeinu told the Miraglim, he gave them instructions, after all. He didn't say, go and, 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 and spy out the land. He said, I want you to find out specific things. So the things he wanted them to find out were, according to the Ramban, the kinds of things that you want to know even if you're getting it for free. Even if it's not a real problem. 
so that this idea that Moshe Rabbeinu said uh, uh, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to them I want you to tell me if it's good or if it's bad so the way the Ramban understands that is everything you buy, everything you get has a better part and a, and a less good part I want you to tell me which is the good part and the bad part is it fat, is it thin meaning they whatever grows there, the animals or the crops, right? That's what I want to know. This has nothing to do with fighting a battle. This has to do, according to the Ramban, with encouraging the people to the point where they want it. They want it, like, if they're going to, if they got an inheritance, I mean, that's really what happened. They received an inheritance, and they had never been there. They had never been in that land. And so Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to use the Miraglim in order to whet their appetite, that they should be interested in, in cashing in on their inheritance and not thinking that it's just a place where nobody, where nobody, wants, to, where nobody wants to go. I told you the, mod, the story with the Imre Emes. <laughs> the Imre Emes in, was the first Hasidic Rebbe to have a positive attitude to Eretz Israel. And he told the Hasidim in Poland, uh, he was the, the Ger in those days, even those days before World War II was the biggest Hasidut in Europe. So he told the Hasidim to buy land. They, they, there were these itinerant guys who came from Yerushalayim, or from Israel, and they went to Europe and they would sell you a dunam of land here and a dunam of land there. Nobody knew exactly what they were buying, but it was sort of like uh, a donation. Like a donation, they gave money to the Karen Kayemet, so the Karen Kayemet bought the land and kept it. But if you gave money to these guys, so, uh, so you got something, you got a deed, and it said you owned a uh, uh, dunam here, a dunam there, and so all these Hasidim came to, uh, to Israel, they came in Aliyah, again before World War II, and they went to see what they had bought. And of course there was no infrastructure any place, it was just uh, just stones and, and, and uh, there was nothing there so they went and complained to the Rebbe so the Rebbe said anybody who wants to give up the land that they bought I'll buy it from them and he did and so he became the owner of Herzliya Pituach and Svon Tel Aviv and Kfar uh, Saba you know because in those days they just sold places that there was nothing there there's nothing there, so you've never heard of Ger uh, raising money. Because they have too much money to raise money. So that's... Uh, so that, that there are different reasons for spying out something that you're getting for nothing. That's what the Ramban says. God said you're going to get everything, you're going to get something. I say to people say, I want to know what I'm going to get. So Moshe Rabbeinu tried to dissuade them from the big picture, like, should we do it? And said, no, no, I want to tell you what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get the, there'll be the, the, uh, the shore, and there'll be the mountains, and there'll be the, the, the hot part, the cold part. You'll have all this kind of weather in Eretz Yisrael. Now, again, well, uh, I'm on line 42. <laughs> There's another opinion that he quotes, 
Rabotenu, who said that Nishlechan Hashim Lefanen will send, even though he, the Ramban, said it's perfectly reasonable that there should be Nishlechan Hashim Lefanen, there should be scouts, people who go before. In, in other words, what the Ramban, what the Ramban is doing is putting off, he's trying to push away the transgression to the time after the Meraglim returned and B'nai Yisrael got very nervous about it and also to try to help me understand how it's possible that Moshe Rabbeinu would agree that they should be allowed to trap themselves, to entrap themselves in this way. So he, he's showing you that Moshe Rabbeinu worked against it. He tried to devise the, the charge to the spies such that they would never have to, have to change. Okay, so then this will finish this. We'll finish this. Line 46. Al pi Hashem kashaya bepkudim ube chiluka aretz ki mitzvat Hashem lo tavobo takala lo ose ha vishomre mitzvah lo yedad davara. So this is a he says, Anashima Ela, look at you see line 46. Ine Anashima Ela, Lo Nikvu Bishemot, Al Piha Shem. These people who eventually sinned, very interesting idea that he ends with, and it's important for us. Lo Nikvu Bishemot, Al Piha Shem, Kasher Hayabit Kudim, right when they were counted, they were counted by name, Uvichiluka Aretz. Right further on in Pin, in Pin, in, uh, this is Shlach, this is the Rabban in Shlach, in Pinchas, Ki Mitzvat Hashem, Lo Tavobo Takala Lo Osel. So he says, obviously, God said, Shlach Lecha. What did Rashi say? What did Rashi say? That it wasn't a command. But what does the Rabban say? It was a command. They were commanded by God to go. So why is it that the, the names of the people who sinned ultimately when the Maragdom came back are not mentioned? Because mitzvah Hashem lo tavobo takala That if they, that, what did they do? They followed the mitzvah that God gave them. So lo tavobo takala lo mitzvah lo And someone who keeps the mitzvah, nothing bad will happen. Rakhu yit barach tziva Moshe ish echad lematea votav tishlachu v'sheyud nesiyim. U Moshe midato birer et eile u'shilachum v'hein gamlu l'nafsham re'ah. So that the ones who went to Meraglim were not exactly appointed by Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? They eventually, they went, sort of they went on their own and they came back. So you have these themes this idea in the Ramban, that in the Pshat, that according to Pshat, Shachacha must mean it's a mitzvah, do it. And the Ramban goes on to explain, the Ramban goes on to explain that everything that happened, all the things that the Meraglim looked into, and all the information they came back with was legitimate information, and it was understandable that, that, uh, that the Ramban, uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted this information, and the fact that B'nai Yisrael managed to turn this into a bad moment in Jewish history has nothing to do with, uh, has nothing to do with us. Now let's look at the Swat Emet, since I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the Gera Rebbe, I mentioned the Imramis, the story that I told you is about the Imramis. The Medrash, 
the Medrash. This is the Svatamet. Svatamet on the Torah. I always say, if the Rebbe, the Svatamet was the second Gera Rebbe. Right? Svatamet. The first Gera Rebbe is the Chedushi Arim. Chedushi Arim, Yitzhak Meir. And he was a, a son-in-law of the Zibuk Sheni of the Kotzker. And uh, Ger, even though they, they have no, it's not like Kotsk at all in any way. I mean, I don't know anything about Kotsk, only what I read. I mean, you know, I never participate, participated in Kotsk, but what you, you can read about it. It's very, Hasidut in general is very popular today in the Israeli academic world. They, they run out of topics. So they into Hasidut. In B'nai Brak, I think there's a, a Rebbe. But I don't know what that means. I, mean, I don't know what his relationship really <laughs> is. Elu ayu chasidei Polanya. Chasidut shel Polanya, yeah. Agadol biyotei ayager. Vasheni ayya Alexander. Alexander yesh hayom. I'm sorry. Alexander, it's Alexander in B'nai Brak. And Sochachov, it still exists in Baidruga. Sort of. I don't know if there's a Rebbe. But the Shemi Shmuel, who who's helped us out on occasion, was the was Sochachot. So look what it says in the, in the Sfat Ahmed. Sfat Ahmed became very popular. He was also very popular in Yerushalayim for a long time. Because the Hasidut, I, I, I'll tell you, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to be cynical about it, but the Hasidut was a lot smaller, and he was very open to people who were not Hasidim coming to see him and talk to him. And he apparently was a very attractive, a very attractive person. Uh, and, and a lot of people would come to see him. He had a very large following of non-Hasidim. And today, since the Hasidut is so big, the Rebbe probably doesn't have too much time to, to deal with people who are not Hasidim. He probably doesn't have time to deal with people who are Hasidim either. But uh, that's, the, uh, that's one of the problems of success. So he's very, Ger is very successful. Um, when, when I came to Israel 50 years ago, 55 years ago, uh, there were no Gary Yeshivas. Was it in Tel Aviv there was a Gary Yeshiva? Today, there are endless numbers of them. Okay, this is what the, the Svatamet says. The Medrash, he calls the Medrash, Shlichei Mitzvah. You have to remember the, the Ramban. Let's remember what the Ramban said. Shlichei Mitzvah. Was a, a person is a Shalich to do a Mitzvah on behalf of his, whoever sent him. Shenotnim Nafsham Bishlichutah. This is what it says in the Medrash. They give their hearts and souls to fulfill their, their charge. Adoni, Obi, Skadi, Mori, Rabbi, that's 
the Chidush Yarim, right? In other words, that's the Chidush Yarim. Ragil Omar, he would say, Kigam Adam Amakayeh Misvat Bar O Shenishtalach Ba'olam Hazeh Kedei La'asod Yitzonot Nitbarach He says, a person who is supposed to do God's will in this world, Nikra Shlichei Mitzvah Badad so he, that person, any person who does God's bidding is called Shlichei Mitzvah. God sent him to shake the lulav. God sent him to eat a matzah. Right, that's called uh, Shlichei Mitzvah. Dekasheh lahamidrash, matzivui ashlichut, machal shelohu ta'beinei Hashem. He says, it's hard to understand why the Pasuk says, shalach lecha, like, what was it that God wanted? It all turned out to be a mess. And how could God's desire, or fulfilling God's desire, turn out to be a mess? It should turn out to be good. I mean, they were doing the mitzvah. They were doing the mitzvah. He says, this was just a, a, a trick that they came and they said we want to send we want to send maraglim, we want to send spies and God turned it into a mitzvah which is what, what Rashi uh, sort of said so the maraglim should have gone feeling that they were doing a mitzvah. What do you think of that? So the Shadabat says, this is what happened. They came and they wanted to they wanted to send spies. The people wanted to send spies. So Akharish Barhu said, I'll tell you I'll tell you what we'll do. Moshe. Moshe came to consult with Akharish Barhu according to Rashi. What should I do? What should I do? Do what you want. But I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna turn it into a mitzvah. I'm gonna turn this act which B'nai Israel want to accomplish into a mitzvah. And once it's a mitzvah, then they'll understand that it can be Moser Nefesh to do what God wants them to do, even when it comes to Shlichut Amaraglim. And this was the positive of the of sending these miraglim, these spies. And then he generalizes. You see, it's the sixth line the, towards the end, the last five words. This is true about every mitzvah in the Torah. If you if you deny your own will, like you, 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 there are things you sometimes you do a mitzvah, but you want to do it. Like you're hungry, you eat a matzah, so you so you're happy. There's a matzah to eat, so you eat the matzah. 
maybe you ordinarily wouldn't be so happy about eating the matzah, but when there's no choice, so you're happy. So that, that's, called, that's called doing the mitzvah, doing the mitzvah with more of yourself. He says, So the highest level, the highest level of doing the mitzvah is I'm only doing it because God wants me to do it. I don't, I don't have any interest. I have no connection. It's not the covet that I'm going to get and it's not the, what people are going to say about me and it's not, nothing like that. It's just doing the mitzvah bilvad nikra this is called misirut nefesh because it's with your soul that you're doing the mitzvah it's with the essence of yourself that you are doing this mitzvah because if you do it because you want to do it and this is halachically correct those of you, if you learn the Gemara about shlichut right shlichut that the shaliach the the emissary has to do it entirely for the person who sent him. He can't do it for himself. So if a man sends his friend to marry a woman on his behalf, he's got to do it for the man who sent him. He can't do it for himself. He can't allow himself to be also involved a little bit and say, well, you know, 80% he'll marry her, 20% I'll marry her. That's not going to work. So you he see, gets paid. what? He, gets paid. he might, he might not, it's not relevant. Because if he it, it, uh, includes himself, his own desire, he's not called a shaliyah. That's why it says in the emissaries that Yahushua said, that word cheresh, right, to dig it out. And that means in the Medrash says, they made themselves into, you know, people who make uh, pots, uh, clay pots. Vishamati, Meadoni, Mori, Uskeni, Zao, Shekevan, Shehalchu, Leisha, Zona, Utsuchu, Levatel, Ergeisha, Lahem, Vizeo, Kharash, Vichulay. So the, my grandfather said, "Pshat! Why were they? What did? How did? What did they have to overcome? What did they have to overcome to do the mitzvah of of spying out the land when Yoshua sent them to Yericho?" He says, "Well, that's what it means. They, they, they came to the house of a of a prostitute, so they had to control their own interests, their own urges, in order to give do the mitzvah as it was." It was was uh, described. So we say, we say uh, this. It, we all agree, we all agree that when the Jews heard the Miraglim and turned their backs on Eretz Yisrael, that that was certainly unacceptable, and that for that they were punished by a 38 years sojourn in the desert, right? Two years before this time, and then 38 years after this time. However, when it came to creating the vehicle that produced this great transgression, it's not clear when the transgression of B'nai Yisrael started. Right? According to Rashi, it started when they all came together. But they came in a jumble, in a mess. 
And that was an indication that they were not thinking straight. And they were not sure of themselves. That's what, that's what Rashi says. Then Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, just one second. which sounds like it means that he approved of it but actually the description that ensues is that they were on shaky grounds it's true that they wanted that they had a their reason for sending the Miraglim was not acceptable was not good but Moshe Rabbeinu thought that he could modify it by asking specific questions and sending them to do specific things, to which the Ramban adds that the other examples of sending miraglim uh, are reasonable. Even if you knew that God was going to support you, sending the miraglim was a reasonable thing, was a reasonable thing to do. Finally, the Ramban said, you know, harps on that word, shalach, uh, which is like the word shaliach. Right, the word, and, and he, he starts talking about it, but the Svata Met finishes the conversation. And the Svata Met says that a Shalih is a person who is totally given to the, uh, to the charge that he has received. He's totally involved in the, in the Shlichut. And that was the opportunity that B'nai Yisrael missed out on. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, after Moshe Rabbeinu decided, that he could send the Miraglim and maybe he would be able to pull it out to make it work because he'll ask all these specific questions. HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to help you. I'm going to turn it into a mitzvah. And by turning it into a mitzvah, there'll be a greater sense that they will be able to kind of get through this problem. It didn't happen, but the opportunity afforded itself and is implied in the words, Shlach Lecha Nashim.